Hey guys, and welcome to the first episode of Constant Agitation, uh, our podcast. Uh, today is going to be our first episode streaming live, and you will be able to also listen to it later on your favorite uh, podcast um, platform. Stre- yeah, yeah, streaming platform. My name is Jimmy, and I'm here today with uh, Eva as well. Yeah, I'm Eva, in case you guys haven't seen or the videos before. And we posted on Instagram earlier that we are coming live and we asked for some questions uh, about uh, photography and other things that you might guys uh, that you guys might be wondering about. We got a few. Uh, we didn't give you enough time to do it, but the <laughs> post is still there. If you want, you can go check it out, leave some questions and we will address them in future episodes mm-hmm. but uh, what do you think how about we start with uh, some uh, introductions you want to go first yeah i think uh, that's a good idea uh, for our first episode of this new podcast constant agitation um my name is eva eva garmendia i am a biologist microbiologist by training but i'm here because i also love photography and in particular analog photography, film photography, and I have a little bit of background also working with some clients uh, doing digital photography work. And yes, I guess photography is what uh, what we're going to talk about here. Uh, for sure. Let me start out by asking you a question. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Sure. All right. So uh, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot, uh, all the time. So I think you might have... Uh, some ready answer for it. <laughs> we'll see. I'm a bit scared now. All right. So why do you shoot film? Why do I shoot film? Uh, that's a quintessential question, isn't it? <laughs> why do we shoot film instead of just going with digital? Especially in my case, when I actually work with both mm, things at the moment. Um, I think th- maybe the quick and ready answer is that analog and film photography makes me feel a certain way about photography that digital doesn't. And it's a way that makes me really happy when I'm shooting analog and film photography. Why does it make me feel happy when I shoot analog photography? I think it's just because I feel more connected with the photography and the photographic process itself when I'm shooting film than when I'm shooting digital. All right. What about you, Jimmy? But like, how do you mean by being more connected? I think for me it's about, like, I'd have to... I take the time to be in it. I am much much more conscious about what I'm doing with the camera and with the image I'm trying to get to get than when I'm shooting digital, basically. I kind of I thought about this for a while, and uh, I always ask myself the question because I do agree. I do feel like I have to take my time more with the with the film, but I wonder why. Because in the moment, I'm not necessarily thinking about how much it's uh, gonna cost me to 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 take the frame mm-hmm. or to take another one, mm-hmm. even though it does play a factor, because it's it's not for free. It's not unlimited, you know, no. right? <laughs> but I think it's the whole experience, even the the cameras themselves. I definitely, when I'm when I'm shooting with an automatic film camera, mm-hmm. I tend to fire more photos than when I'm working on something that is fully fully manual mm-hmm. just because the option is there and I can just click one button yeah and and take the photo 
losing that ability kind of forces you into as you said take more time and mm-hmm. think more about your composition um but there is definitely like a whole charm to the whole thing like besides the experience and uh, yeah it's also perhaps um if you get really into it i think analog photography gives you the possibilities to be much more involved with the whole process from the idea of the photo you want to take till taking the photo and then making something with the photo right like you are can be part of taking the photo developing the film seeing what is on the film maybe making a print of it so you have the possibilities to be much more involved in the whole process that's true that's definitely that's definitely a strong point as well especially if you develop yourself like we do mm-hmm. i'm not saying that if you don't that takes away from the experience but there's just so many things so many parts to making the image mm-hmm. um that you have to baby it all across the way to, to the finish line and, and you do it consciously also right yeah. i i it's it's definitely a much more nuanced process but here's here's my question how does that make you feel about digital photography mm, in what regard what do you mean about how do i feel about if i feel like it's it it is makes it, it more, less yeah is it more disposable is it less of a thing is it a different thing how do how do they hmm. sit together in your head i i don't think that one lessens the other i think both they have their place and both they can have their weaknesses and their strengths and both depending on what the person or the photographer is looking after they might be more prone to do just digital or work more in digital than in film for example um i find that uh, if you want to just learn by trial and error a lot Digital is a very good medium, right? Because you can instantly instantly shoot, see the result, change some settings, try again, and that's a quick way to learn through it. You know, like you push through it. You are you get into photography. You don't know absolutely anything of how uh, the, to get the right uh, exposure or the right effect you want, and then you have your digital camera there available to play with immediately and try that's to get true. the things you want. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. Like if you're trying to learn about the different settings of your camera, see how the depth of field is different from one aperture to the other. Mm-hmm. It's much more instantaneous, obviously, to yeah. do it on a digital camera and look through. So there, I don't consider myself to be like, let's say, a purist <laughs> or like a, totally against um, digital. Because if you stumble upon our channel and you see that all of the videos that we do are about film, it's because we can do that and that's what we like to do mm-hmm. and also what we like to share right yeah that that of course like it, we're sharing something that we're passionate about mm-hmm. that that doesn't say that doesn't mean that i'm not passionate about digital photography like you know how much i love my mugger for third cameras <laughs> yes you know we're actually using them right now so you guys <laughs> yeah. can see us and uh, they they're beautiful cameras to to play with but um I have a feeling if I'm gonna take a photo that I might want to print, it makes more sense just to grab a six by nine or a medium format mm-hmm. camera to do so. You know what I mean? And I think m- recently I've always been shooting with printing in mind, even yeah. though I haven't printed so much, mm-hmm. but I aspire to print a lot of my, like more of my work than I actually do. Mm. And I think this is a, uh, this is a good, aim to have if you're a if you're a photographer 
that are doing things on your own just print your work it will change the way you feel about it you will come to appreciate it more yeah it's a it's kind of like a funny phenomenon that you take a photo and then you might see it just there in the negative or in your screen uh, in the computer and it doesn't feel like it's much or maybe it's not as good as you expected it to be but then if you actually print it and put it in a frame or if you actually put it together with another photo in some sort of like composition or you put it inside a video like we have done before then the whole feeling about the photo can change that is true i'm afraid that we might be having some uh, sync issues so if you guys that are watching live if you notice anything uh, this is our first time so please be patient and uh, let us know uh, i'm looking at the chat hey the desert thank you for watching if you're still here please let us know if you have if we have any sync issues with the audio and video and we will fix it um but that's that um so yeah so i think i think it's what we're trying to say with this whole conversation mm -hmm. is that if you don't if you shoot film more digital it doesn't really matter at the end of the day mm -hmm. right yeah i mean i i i don't hate digital or i don't say that uh, digital Com could completely replace film or film could completely replace digital no i think they're complementary and there are like two different mediums as we have like discussed before that you can use for photography and and i really encourage everyone to kind of get the best out of both if possible i agree i always in my head uh, imagine it to be like painting with watercolor or oil <laughs> yeah it's just like <laughs> using different tools mm -hmm. to get the same or whatever result you end up getting at the end. This is an interesting idea, right? Because there is also this thing called mixed media yeah. art, which is like you work with different like acrylics together with watercolor, with ink. So this could be an interesting thing to do some experiments mixing digital photography with analog photography and do a mixed media project. Uh, that's true. You know, one of my favorite music artists, uh, Stephen <laughs> Wilson, yeah. he has... Uh, I think what was it called? A hand cannot race. Mm -hmm. the, the album cover. I really like that album. It's photographs with the oil painting on top. Yeah. All right. The, thank you, the desert. He actually or she uh, told us that we have a little bit of delay, so I'm gonna try to really quickly fix that. <laughs> Meanwhile, maybe you can uh, tell us something you want to tell us about. <laughs> what do I want to tell you about? S sorry uh, for putting you on the spot like that. Well, first of all, say thank you to the people that are watching. And if you are watching later after this is uploaded, also thank you for being here and going through with us on this first uh, episode podcast and the first um, project of this new 2021 year, which I hope it brings us a lot of good surprises, <laughs> more than bad surprises. <laughs> right. Uh, do you want to jump into the questions, maybe? Uh, I can do that. Um, let me just grab my phone and uh, go through what we got from one of uh, our uh, people in Instagram. And I do want to have you maybe also in on the conversation because I think this is a very interesting topic. We had someone that um, commented that video is or was their passion and they made it their job and then having clients to do that work has made it not enjoy not enjoy as much um, doing video work 
and they were asking if this has uh, something like this has happened to me or to you, Jimmy, and how do we deal with it? He is kind of commenting that um, that they do video effects work and the clients are very picky and very perfectionist and they want changes down to the pixel. And uh, they're saying that uh, we <laughs> all the time in our videos say things like whatever happens, happens. Like that's a bit of the attitude we have when we go out and shoot and when we shoot our videos well. And that has really inspired them to to go back and do work, which is really nice. So what do we have to say about that? I can talk a little bit about my um, personal experience regarding this topic of having clients and how that affects your creativity and how that um, yeah plays a role in the whole relationship that one can have with their art. Um, there are several aspects here, I think. So in my experience or my background is I always been interested in photography since I'm very young. I started learning a bit more about photography art and you know how to take photographs and light how one works with light and quickly I got very into analog photography because the things that we mentioned before it just it makes me really happy so I was for a few years working with analog cameras and film and I started getting more into um, shooting people or friends around basically like portraits and lifestyle kind of shoots so very natural kind of photographs uh, and for doing that I moved more onto the digital media because what we say before if you want like quick results if you want to see and learn quickly uh, doing, doing digital is it's an advantage so I took my digital camera the one I had back then and um, I started to to take photos of my friends and check like in the moment, okay, how can I get a better portrait? How can I um, get a good photo that had feeling? That's what I was after. And people started telling me that they really enjoyed being in shoots with me and getting photographed by me and the collections that they were getting. So they encouraged me more and more to maybe offer this to more people, like, you know, to get clients and work with people directly and I went ahead with it because I also like the personal aspect of it and I like meeting people and I like making them feel comfortable in front of the camera and I really 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 like that people can have memories in forms of photographs long time right so I focused so much on that that I kind of left mm, the side of the creative photography and the analog photography and film photography on the side because I focus so much on that. And then I realized that, yeah, working with clients, because you also do a somewhat repetitive work, for me, it did, I think, affected my creativity and it affected my willingness to put time on, on being more creative and shooting more in analog. So uh, for a few years, I actually left it completely on the side and I did nothing with film photography. I remember you telling me that. Yes, when we met, I told you that. Yeah. And I mean, you know that you are the reason why I went back to it, so. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, for the good or the bad. No, it's for the good, obviously. <laughs> I hope so for sure. I I right now also still take client work and I work with people and I work with digital, uh, but I'm really really happy that you know that you put me back into realizing how much I missed it and how much I wanted to go back to that thinking and that uh, creative mindset. 
here, here's what I what I want to say about this. I think to answer the question, I think you have to decide what's really important for you personally. Mm-hmm. Because when I also when I started um, taking photos, I just basically just stole my dad's camera and <laughs> started taking photos with it. Um, he didn't really mind too much. He wasn't using it that much. He had it for work when he needed to take photos of, uh, you know, uh, art, uh, items for sale. And so um, when I when I had it for a while, I started meeting other people who were interested in photography. Some of them were already working and some of them were trying to get some work. And I tried, it, tried as well to maybe follow that path a little bit. Um, and at the same time, I was learning about different uh, photographers different styles, different things to do with the camera. And I really wanted to spend my time more being creative than trying to follow client work. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean you can't do both at the same time. Yes. It's maybe the the holy grail of the whole thing. Uh, There's a path to there, I think. There's a path how one can get to that point. Yes, but... uh, what I was trying to say is I started going to gigs, music gigs, taking photos of the musicians mm-hmm. and doing all that kind of stuff. I got some uh, good feedback on my work. People used my photos. I didn't get paid at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say if my photos were used because they were good or because they were free. I'd like to believe that it's maybe some of both. Yeah, I think your work with the bands was, was really nice and also creative at the same time. Uh, yeah, but I, I started to reach a point where as that question was mentioning, is that you kind of have to um, put your own vision to the side and do whatever the customer wants. And that is the right thing to do. That is a very, Yeah, it's a very fine line between one point and the other point, actually. Yeah, but what I'm trying to say is in that scenario, mm-hmm. that is the right thing to do. If it's a paid job, you're supposed to deliver. You should... You're supposed to give the people what they are paying f- paying you for. If they ask for a specific thing, right, you should deliver that thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have your own limits. You can say, yeah. this is what I'm willing to do. This mm-hmm. is what I'm not willing to do. If you're asking me to do this, it's not included in the package that I offer. But I understand the, the, the pickiness of a customer might be something that maybe it's not, it's not something that you want to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a part of the job. I've worked some other jobs as well that were not even related to photography. And there was a lot of part, uh, many parts of it that I didn't like, but it was a part of the job. Mm-hmm. So just think about it like that. Think about it like it's a part of the job. Mm-hmm. Don't really let it affect your creative work. Take time off. Uh, and do your own personal projects. Exactly. That's very important. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe like have a plan to make a specific project mm-hmm. and follow through with it. And then you can have it as your creative outlet. I don't know. I think that's a... But if you're burning out too much on it, that's mm-hmm. the thing. It drove me personally. And I'm I'm not saying that my experience has to be the same for everybody, but mm-hmm. maybe some people have similar experiences. For me, it drove me to the point that I didn't want to touch the camera anymore. Yeah, you know I understand. I mean? mm. And you know how I feel about taking portraits of people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if they have a say in it, I'm not interested in taking it, basically. I can take your portrait when you're not aware but unless you're a professional model i'm not interested in you know uh, having that kind of work i'm trying to work on it myself 
as well as we talked uh, privately but uh, i really respect your ability that you can go do the work that is required and then don't let it affect you and take it back that's why i thought if you don't have that in you to do it don't let it completely deter you from from photography as a whole yeah. as it did for me for mm -hmm. a while because for a while i really didn't want to touch the camera anymore it was it was bothering me to to take photos i just felt like um, you were forced to be in a position you didn't really want to be in yeah, or do things you didn't want to do mm. yeah uh, for me my problem was mostly that uh, my creative side got a little bit like numb you know because i was doing work that was kind of like fast popping out Uh, sessions and like one hour type of work with people that you never met before so you don't have so much time to establish a connection and try to be a bit more creative but still delivering a product that the client is going to be happy with so you basically what I did is I have my my style my type of photos they know where they're going to get I go there and I do my job and, and they get them basically but it's a little bit you know constrained in that regard so I felt like my creative side was like getting numb and I'm, I wasn't really exercising this creative side which I think is, is needed if you want get creative you need to use it is it, there's always the comparison that uh, creativity is a little bit like a muscle you need to work with it in order to to develop it right that is absolutely true and we got a interesting question on the chat melon from mm -hmm. the film photography discord <laughs> yes uh, he's asking if um, he's asking do you take pictures for your own when you're out on a job on a paid job do i take pictures on my own i i Sometimes I will take risks in a sense if I feel like I have the the time in in a sense a lot of the a lot of the okay, occasions I am in a time constriction so but if I feel like I have the time so for example I have a little bit of a longer session or I have another type of different session I might take some risks which is try to take some pictures that I have in my head that I might not have taken before but that I think oh this might work Maybe later I put it in the computer and I think, oh, this is trash. I don't want to even deliver this. Or, But other times, those ideas, they actually turn into something that I'm very happy with and I can implement more in my work, you know? So sometimes I, I do that. I, I try different things. Or if I see, if I work with a client, for example, that inspires me a lot, that means that we get like a really good flow and th their vision is very much my vision. And I might get a little bit more like um, brave, right? And try to do something different. And in general, Generally, in those cases, it does work well because I think we're in the same vibe, the client and me, and I can just say, okay, I want to take this thing I have in my mind because I would like to have that. And and they are always generally okay with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I had very, very few paid jobs. Uh, it was uh, mostly jobs that other people couldn't make and they recommended me uh, instead but they also i also always come with a warning <laughs> like this guy is gonna do whatever he wants and you just if you like it he's good if you like it you're gonna like it if but if you don't you're not gonna like and it. that's how it should be kind of <laughs> uh, i agree but i i always because i wasn't doing it as my profession mm. i always told them that hey if you um i like what you're doing and i want to take your photos uh, so basically all the photos were for me Mm -hmm. the same time as they were for the other yeah. person and so it was like if you like them and if you want to pay any amount you can do that it's like more like a donation yeah you can of, donate yeah, if you like, like the, the photos yeah. because i'm not willing 
Like I wasn't willing to do anything that I didn't feel like intuitively like doing. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if the, this is the right attitude to go about it. But it is a attitude. I mean, you you put the limits on the work you want to do, being paid or not paid. You know, it's, uh, it's your your craft in a sense. Yeah. But I also think uh, r- going back to the question that uh, they posed to us. Um, how to deal with it I feel like as an artist you know any kind of artist video artist um, painting artist whatever when someone contracts you especially if you have a well-built portfolio they ha- they can really see the job that you've done before you know you, they are contracting and they are getting you because they like what you do as an artist so believe that what what you are doing out of your passion and out of what you like it's something that the client most likely is going to be okay with it too. And if they are not, which of course it always happens, there are difficult clients and there are clients that you're never really going to satisfy them no matter what you do because they have their own vision. Those people just don't really know how to be clients of arts and crafts, I, I feel like, because you are getting, you it's, it's, it's a difference between getting a full-on service, like it could be fixing a faucet, you know, you know, you, when you get a plumber to come and fix your faucet, you know the end result is a faucet that's working perfectly, not leaking in your in your in your kitchen, right? That is a service like that. But when you are getting a contract with an artist, you are contracting the artist, not the final result in itself. That's true. I th- I feel like it a little bit. One hundred percent. I agree. No, that that is it. It's it's a different thing. It is a different thing for sure. And some people don't know how to be clients in that area and you need to have that in mind you are gonna come across people that just are not good clients in that sense you just deal with them as you can you move on and let not to that to kind of be the the norm it's going to be an exception and try not to make it affect your work yeah that is true i i have to say like uh, from not because i know you personally and the relationship (laughs) we have but you always like um seem to have a very nice positive attitude about this and um, even though going into any job you have no idea how it's going to turn out but i feel like going in with that positive attitude you kind of force it into being uh, a positive interaction mm-hmm. unless the person that you're dealing with which happened maybe once or twice in yeah. all the jobs that you had were hell-bent on being a negative person. Yeah. And they were not going to be satisfied with whatever. Yes. Or they really had a su- such a like close-up idea of what they wanted to get out of the photo shoot that I saw there is no room, wiggle room for me to, to do anything different or to do something that I even consider would look good. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a little bit of a skill to develop that that quickly you can learn how how they go the client like what type of client it is and when I come across these kind of people which they exist of course then in that moment I am not really an artistic photographer let's say I'm just there to take the photos they want even if I don't think that this is anything worth it you know like okay you want me to put yourself there completely in this corner which makes no sense to me to do such a photo I do it, but I know that doesn't really affect what I do. It's just like, I don't know. It's like I'm out there to buy groceries. Maybe it's not my job to buy groceries, but I go and I do it, you know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. We had a, another question, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did we? Yeah, I think we got two. 
Were they on the same subject or? Uh, yeah, they were on the same subject. That's what he was saying in, in the Instagram. Yeah, yeah, they were on the same topic. All right. And as I said earlier, the post on Instagram is just going to run its course. So if you want to leave questions for the next episode, please do that. And we will also next time, next week, hopefully uh, put another one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Let me check the chat really quickly yes <laughs> it's a bit difficult to keep a flow while reading something right. <laughs> i'm sorry maybe we get better too about it yeah this is totally like as we go so it w- it's o- it's only up from here i promise yeah <laughs> all right how about we get into uh, the second topic of today's uh, yeah. podcast right something super cool that we just found recently let's let's do that all right, guys, I might not be able to see the chat for a moment. I have it here in any case. Oh, so. you do? Yeah. Perfect. All right, then. So let me do this. I want to show you uh, this thing. I really like that Miguel Ruhi commented, the good thing of not working as a photographer is that I can surprise myself with new mistakes. Uh, <laughs> this it, it reminds me of like uh, the painter uh, Ross that he said like there are no mistakes there are happy accidents so <laughs> think about it like that there are no mistakes I think from every happy accident one can learn something uh, even if it's I don't know the dumbest thing that you thought you might do with photography you will learn <laughs> from it that's uh, yeah I mean mistakes are the best way to learn if you think about it yeah. That's the only way to learn, kind of. Maybe. Because if everything works, how do you... I mean, I don't know. I'm a scientist. So for me, my motto is like, try to find something that doesn't work. So then it will tell you that the hypothesis is not working. <laughs> That's how it works. That's true. <laughs> All right. So now, uh, can you... Are you watching the stream over there? Yes, All I right. am. So... Uh, it looks nice. We're in the corner there. Cool. Uh, so uh, a while ago, what I like to do, because I kind of uh, almost gave up completely on client work, I like to go around and browse uh, photo galleries and check out what fine art photographers are doing, get inspiration from there. And I found this gallery a while back and I didn't really do any reading about it. I just saw these photos and I tried to figure it out in my head. How did how this this came about? <laughs> right? it's, they're so cool. I'm, I'm showing you some of them right here. I just saw these photos and they were they just stood out to me yeah uh i didn't i couldn't figure out by just looking at them i couldn't even get close Is, isn't that ama- like this is what i love like that the way the the reason why i love abstract art is because i have to figure it out you know like i have to stop and i have to look into it and i have to think what is it what did the act, act uh, the artist intended what is it that it means to me and with these photos, I feel like it was the same. You see them and immediately you want to know, okay, how was this made? How was this even possible? M- mostly knowing that it's, you know, photography kind of in within photography. Exactly. And I, I think I find myself, I kind of pride myself on usually being good at guessing what happened yeah there. but did you guess this one not at all not at all i failed so hard <laughs> that, was, that was cool also try to find what it was right yeah i mean i racked my brain and i came with some ideas on how did they do this but of course eva being the scientist she is she immediately started reading <laughs> which i sometimes forget that that's <laughs> the thing people do oh shit you can read but he's uh, he he looks at the visual things and i read this stuff it's a it's a nice joint venture yeah <laughs> and um definitely uh, what what i 
what I was going to say is that uh, I'm going to go through the photos. Yeah, so, so uh, Miguel, sorry, he said like here, is that a double exposition or how? Wow. <laughs> right? It's fascinating. And for those of you listening, uh, I'm sorry you can't see these pictures. I will uh, link to the... Yeah, we'll leave a... We'll leave a link to the gallery in the podcast it's uh, stuff. Definitely worth checking it out. Yes. And uh, maybe for future episodes, try to take a look on the video cast as well. Uh, but I'm going to try to describe it um, as best as I can. <laughs> what we're looking at are um, uh, silhouettes of uh, human figures, basically, mm -hmm. that are mostly two tones. I think all of them are just two tones. So Monotone kind of, yeah. yeah. Uh, the background is one color and the figure of the human is basically drawn with points of light. Um I don't know how good it is on the stream, but if you zoom in, uh, they all look kind of like uh, bokeh balls. Yeah, you, you like know. they are like little points like, of light, basically. Yeah, like almost like the stars in the sky flickering with different beautiful, intensities. Beautiful They're patterns, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, these are photo photographs by a photographer called Christopher Bucklow. Mm -hmm. And um, he's a contemporary. He's still working, right? Yeah, he is. Actually, this series that we're looking uh, at right now, uh, it's still ongoing. It's uh, not really finished. So he still makes this. All right. And they're, uh, they're, they're very beautiful. Uh, the first... the first <laughs> Miguel I is trying to guess yeah. very hard. <laughs> All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell Miguel what I, what I, what I uh, thought the first time. I thought these were negatives that were... Um, photographed mm -hmm. so different different emulsions mm -hmm. they kind of look with these colors mm -hmm. especially the orange ones yeah and i thought that he, they just took a photo of the of the negative on a light table mm -hmm. but they made holes in it in a way uh -huh. to make the light go through mm -hmm. go through the holes but i knew that it wasn't that like i knew that's the closest thing in my head yeah but well it's not completely so far off also miguel here said the cardboard in front of the lenses maybe a projector over the body so the cardboard on front of the lens is almost the closest thing we got right, right? yeah so maybe <laughs> we're really helping up this mystery <laughs> hold on let me see if i can if i can show you do you want to tell them the name of the camera the name of the camera? Yeah. The 35,000... 25. Twi oh, sorry. I went ten more. 25,000 pinhole camera. 25,000 aperture camera. Uh, 25,000 aperture <laughs> camera, sorry. Right? Yeah. Or 25,000 pinholes. They call the different things. Yeah, different but 25,000 aperture camera sounded super weird. I was so confused when I read that. I'm right. like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> but then we learn a little bit more. And it, it became clear and apparent what it is. Yes. And this is uh, the artist himself. Standing next to the camera. Witchcraft, Miguel. Is, is, is it witchcraft? <laughs> well, it's the closest. It is, kind of. Uh, here is the camera, which looks like a cabinet, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, myself is covering there. Better. All right. So let me fix that. Yeah, no, no. It was a bit delayed in the stream. There he is. Mm -hmm. Look at him. He, he looks much, much older now. <laughs> Have you seen a recent picture? Yeah, he's like 60-something. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, so what he did basically here uh, is that he used the um, cyanotype. Uh, Was it? Well, he 
you mean the paper yeah. that he used? So the name of the paper is, um, where did I put this? Um, we're trying to figure it out. No, yeah, I, I know exactly where to find. I'm looking at the article, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it's called Sibachrom. Sibachrom. Sibachrom chromogenic paper or prints. Yeah. Uh, so he used this paper to, as a, as you would in a in a film negative camera, basically. Mm -hmm. But instead of having a lens, he has these pinholes. So he basically has a tin foil surface, yeah. and then he makes many, 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 many cameras in it because yeah. every hole that you make is actually a camera a in itself, camera. a pinhole camera. So what he's, he's doing is basically uh, all of these photographs that we saw, I don't know if we can call them. Can, yeah, uh, we I can call so. them photographs. Yeah, uh, They're basically drawings. Uh, he said that these are figures that he saw in his dreams. Yes. Right? So every every one of the of the silhouettes is from a character that he found in his dreams. Yeah. And then he goes and he makes a silhouette of it. And then he makes all these many, many, many holes. Yeah, so basically he draw, draws these figures using like a maybe a, uh, a pin or something, something to make holes in the in the in the yeah. tin, and then he takes it out, puts it on a on a roof, on a rooftop, and let the sun blast yes. through these holes. Yes, and then he just develops these papers. So there are solar photographs. I guess in the end everything you take outside is a solar photograph, kind. <laughs> uh, th that is true, <laughs> and, uh, unless you're shooting at night or. Yeah, he takes pictures of the sun. Yeah, Miguel was right, he's saying. So he takes pictures of the sun and he has a lot of free time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you don't need to baby the camera. Yeah, you can just, you just leave, leave it there, there and, and come then, back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't recall reading how long the exposures were, but I read that it, uh, it the process is similar to the daguerreotype and the uh, subsequent uh, type of photography back in the 1800s. So I think it's long exposures. And also there are pinholes, which means the light comes it much, much lower. Yeah, there's a quick interview on... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave the link as well. Yeah, uh, on a website called yeah. lightsearch, lightresearch.net. Uh, mm -hmm. Those of you watching the stream can see it right now. And... Uh, here you can have all the information uh, if you want to take a look for yourself. Yeah, uh, it's a it's a really it's a really fun idea I think uh, to to experiment with. Um, I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, cool things being done in the past and even recently. Yeah, can you go back to the photograph? So we just talked for a moment about what we were kind of discussing if how close the paper might be to the holes or not and if that might get a different result that's true i will find the one that you are looking for yeah i mean or a different number of them we can see because we were discussing like so how far away does he actually put the paper from the holes which is how far away do you put your film how from deep basically yeah how deep how much distance there because is between looking at the box i would say it's about half a meter yeah uh, deep the the box itself because so in some of them it's very defined yeah but in others it's very very glowy right and it's it's hard to say if the if the effect is the amount of holes 
or the distance mm-hmm. or maybe a, a mix of combination both. yeah so what we kind of uh, guessed a little bit is that if the box is sitting like this on its back if you have a wood plank in the middle going diagonally uh-huh. and then you have your paper loaded on exactly. top yeah. uh, the the holes that are making impression on the top side yeah that is closer to the to the, the, to the holes themselves yeah mm-hmm. Th- these would be brighter brighter and much more defined right. because there will be no enough space for the light to diffuse to yeah yeah and then as you go down you will have less light mm-hmm. and bigger Im- uh, b- bigger circles basically yeah and more of glow or more a uh, spillover of light basically but here oh, we're looking at this photo uh, it looks like the spillover is happening more towards the top the head, where there yeah. is more light intensity so i'm kind of curious what's going on what do you guys think i think the only way to to really know is to try it yeah that's what we were saying maybe we should try we have some black and white paper we do um we don't have sand though that is that is the the ultimate problem uh you know what i'm looking at it and uh, as i'm scrolling through it looks like the size of the circles are about the same all of the circles uh yeah the outline at least because you can see he made an outline yeah and then he filled in uh, the rest of the shape very interesting super pretty so eerie and also so delicate at the same time i don't know i really like it he's a really good painter as well yes i think he actually did some work with painting as well before i think i read Yeah, I wonder what happened with the very glowy ones like this one. Mm. It looks completely overblown in the middle. Maybe he just made a bigger hole at the end. This one is super, super glowy. Look, you can not even see in the... Maybe it's longer exposure also. Could be that. It definitely could be something like that. This uh, series, by the way, is called Guests. And it was uh, created using a 30 by 40 inches camera. So that uh, the inches is telling you the size of the sensor or the size of the film or the size of the paper he used. Very big. I think that can be called ultra large format. Can, yeah, that's uh, one of the craziest formats you can uh, probably. Mm-hmm. I don't that's think cool. There's a video here. Mm. I don't know. Uh, should we watch it together? Or maybe I don't know if we're allowed to play this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure, actually. But here you can see him exposing. Uh, I don't know what he's doing exactly here. He's either taking the exposure or loading the camera. Mm-hmm. But as we said, we'll leave all the links. Uh, there are two, uh, two galleries, two series. Yes. Guests and... Uh, how do you say that word? Tetrarch. Tetra- tetrarch. Tetrarch. Which has to mean something with four something. Maybe. Tetrarchs. Yeah. It's a uh, where these two, no, here in ninety. Yeah, guest and tetrarchs were the foundational works for Britain's contemporary negative less photography movement. So direct positive. Yeah. Meaning. Mm-hmm. Very, very cool. 
I also love analog photography because it allows you to do this crazy kind of experiments and different processes and techniques and really once you understand how light works and how you actually make a photograph you can get crazy with it that's true uh there was a remember the 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 chemistry channel we like to watch uh, mm -hmm. nile red yeah he actually did uh, he's not a photographer at all he's, he's a, a chemist, chemist yeah <laughs> and uh, he did a similar experiment by using digital files and then he kind of uh, made a negative flipped of them, them mm -hmm. made a negative and then he actually made his own uh, paper because obviously he's a chemist and i think that was the the, the idea of the video is that he wants to make his own cyanotype uh, paper yeah. so it's uh, reactive to light actually i do have a kit in that um cabinet cabinet over there which is a kit to make t-shirts t-shirts right? yeah. so what you do is you have your photo you make it a negative you print it in uh, acetate so it's uh, transparency and then you put uh, a specific type of uh, ink on top of any t-shirt you want you mm -hmm. put the negative on top and then you put it on the sun and you mm. wait for half an hour and then you take it in, you wash it in the washing machine and then only the the ink that has reacted to the light will come up as a color and then you have it. So it's the same concept. True. In summer, maybe we can make some t-shirts. Yeah, I mean, we've been waiting for the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Way too <laughs> for, long. For many seasons. Um, yeah, anything else you want to cover? You want to talk a little bit about the trip? We can do that. So we update the people also in our channel, our regular uh, subscribers, what's going on and why we've been silent for a little while and what's coming up, hopefully at some point. Yeah, uh, We've been live for 47 minutes. I'm just, just letting you know. All right. So we're closing up uh, we're very soon. Yeah. So yeah, tell us, Jimmy, what we've been doing this <laughs> past few weeks. Uh, well, we were... Uh, here's how the whole thing started, right? I really want to... Uh, buy a large format camera. <laughs> that, that, this is the beginning of every, any good story. <laughs> so uh, we were looking uh, online and uh, I mean, it's crazy to buy a thing like that online, I feel like. And the prices are up. And so we found a few good ones on, in Sweden, but they were snatched before we... Very quickly. Yeah. So they, what the idea was to go to Copenhagen uh, because there are more camera stores over there and maybe have a look around at least learn more about the different cameras see, see them in person and then maybe buy one on the spot or or order one that we like online mm -hmm. but then uh, all the borders were closed and um, they were like well sweden is a big country let's uh let's plan a trip around sweden right? somewhere and so we uh, we decided to just drive across the whole place. Yes. So for anybody that doesn't really know about Sweden geography, it's a very long country. So basically it goes north is on the Arctic Circle and then it goes down all the way to Denmark position more or less. So like to Central uh, Europe. So it's a very long country and we are positioned in the lower third, I would say, not the half of the country, it's in the lower third. Mm -hmm. So we decided to just take a car and drive all the way to the north and because we, we miss the snow a bit. Actually, surprisingly, when we started looking into this, because it's been overcast here for a long time and even though we're kind of 
I don't know if the lucky is the right wor- word to use in this uh, mm-hmm. in this context, but there hasn't been any lockdown, um, and um, so you can still like carry on with life as normal, but with two lo- two months of uh, basically overcast, it gets this depressing really quickly. It is, yeah. Um, the la- the so if you have to go through winter, I always say it's much better if it's a white winter and it snows because mm-hmm. there is so much more light reflected and available of the little light you have during the day. But when you have overcast the whole day, week after week, month after month, it becomes very tiresome. That's true. So the idea was maybe if we drive south, we can get some sun, but that was not available. And then we decided to check how is the weather looking in the north. And it was uh, snowy and sunny at yeah. the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's the perfect combination it was really nice. to break the uh, the gloominess of this winter. And so we went for it. And then we... Uh, you want to talk about the logistics of the films and the cameras <laughs> that we lugged with so us? So we decided to make it a photography trip, of course, because, you know, it's us. And we thought, okay, if we're going to take a trip to, to see the rest of the country, we might as well bring also cameras and film. And then the thing kind of developed more into, okay, so maybe we can do a documentary type of work of the places we visit and perhaps mm, have good work to make a body of work of of the trip, right? So we decided to take a bunch of cameras. And when I say a bunch, it's a bunch (laughs) and a bunch of film. And the good thing is that we had our own car, so we were not limited in space or anything. So we could just take as much as we wanted. So we took how many cameras in the end, Jimmy? I don't remember. Eight? Nine? Uh, well, two Something F3s, like the the small Canon, yeah. and RZ, Fuji, Mami Yassi, and, and the two digital ones. Yeah. Eight? That's eight cameras. Yeah, yes. it's about eight cameras and uh, a lot of film. Uh, yes. Let me ask you this. Yes. What was your favorite camera in the trip? You know the answer to that, though. <laughs> My favorite camera, I really love the Mami Yassi. Right. I love working with it. And, and also, you had to have an account. We went to kind of extreme weather conditions. It was really cold. So we quickly realized that the best performing cameras are the ones that are fully manual. Full no, mechanical. F- full mechanical, yeah. So they don't rely on any electronics, batteries, etc. And the Mamiya C is fully mechanical, so it really did very well. I hope I haven't seen the photos yet. So. Yeah, we plan to develop starting tonight. Uh, but here's the thing. Uh, with the F3s, mm-hmm. I remember one of them, we had an issue with one. No, it wasn't really an issue. Was it? That was just loading it. Yeah, the yeah. All right. So both of the F3s well. performed amazingly, yeah. even though they're electronics. Yeah, but I think it might be a little bit different. I don't know. Like Your F3 is actually like a heavy horse duty workhorse because it's made for you know professional journalists and stuff so i think it's probably built to be outside and to be to be like you know on string weather conditions somewhat yeah but what i'm what i'm saying is that even with that with the difference between the two we didn't have any problems with the other one no it it worked yeah 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 yeah, it worked nice yeah so uh, the f3 is definitely recommended yeah the f3 is i mean it's really nice to have as you like always on you camera yeah. because also uh, having it uh, with the working very nice working uh, light meter you know the it, it will calculate the exposure for you and you can work quite quickly with it the mamilla is another thing it's just the mamilla see you really have to take the time 
and take each shot with a lot of mindfulness. Yeah, but it, as as the Fuji did, mm-hmm. no problem whatsoever. No. You didn't fire a single shot where the it didn't fire. No. Or it, uh, or the shutter got sticky Mm-mm. or frozen Nothing. or anything. Nothing. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think all of the cameras, the digital one kind of like dropped frames on the screen. <laughs> yeah. We still haven't gone through the footage, so we don't know if they actually performed mm-hmm. or not. But uh, the the big the big sore loser <laughs> here <laughs> everyone please listen was definitely the Mamiya RZ67 what do you expect is, is in a studio camera <laughs> I yeah I know <laughs> I know I know what I got myself into it was really nice to shoot with it I, like I, it's to, always nice to because I kind of treat it as a point and shoot in a way I just put it in in auto mode and I just fire away mm-hmm uh so it's like it's nice when you want to have quick uh medium format shots mm-hmm. and it's the only one that i have that I, that can do that no, I'm sure. it's, it's a really really good camera the shots from it are amazing when it works <laughs> yeah but it was weird it was behaving very strangely with the i think it was just getting frozen out of its mind <laughs> <laughs> that is true <laughs> but uh yeah um I think uh, I think all in all I was very happy with the trip and uh, I think you were too. Yes. Except for the few times when I was bashing the RZ getting trying to get it to fire. It's I I, I swear it's it's ridiculous. I, like sometimes I would just tap it like you would tap an old TV and then it would fire <laughs> which defeats the whole purpose of having it on a tripod with a cable release. <laughs> but um, at least I can advance to the yeah. next frame. No, I think um it's gonna be it was fun during the trip and now we have a bunch of film to develop we have 41 roles to develop mm-hmm. you heard right <laughs> 41 we, roles. we already developed three of them. we developed three so we are down to mm, 30 38 38 right so we better go do that right yeah i guess that's good uh we've been oh we're very good on time 55 yeah. minutes right so uh Anything to end this uh, very first episode? Our very first. Uh, well, just um, we didn't actually say why did we choose constant agitation as the title for our podcast. That's an interesting thing. Uh, just to quickly answer uh, Melon, uh, not all colors and uh, not all films uh, were color. No. Um, so but we, most of them. Yeah, we have uh, three plus three, six rolls on black and white. Mm-hmm. And the rest is color. And from the color, we have some that are going to be pushed and some that are going to be box speed. And in color, we actually have so a lot of Cine and Vision 3. So mm-hmm. that's a different kind of film, just to be sure that we say it. Yeah, we, we tried to mix it up with pushing and uh, different kind of uh, stalks because we wanted to also use this opportunity to experiment yeah exactly and to learn from it that's why i want to take notes about everything exactly we wanted to do a lot of uh, content like that for the channel and for us to to learn how it goes with pushing film with different stocks how they do they behave Mm -hmm. but it's kind of uh, it 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 was hard to do when when we like when we're not feeling inspired to go outside and shoot yeah so we kind of took this trip as an opportunity just to fire away so in a sense that trip was not just like the amount of roles that we shot were not just for the trip itself but also, but also for our for our own work and yeah exactly to learn and experiment and see how how using the film and these cameras in these ways will, mm-hmm. will so will. definitely a lot of chemical 
to be work with soon. Right. Yeah, back to what you were saying. Uh, constant agitation, the name of this podcast. Yes. You want me to answer? Sure. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, we just were brainstorming a little bit what kind of name to name the podcast. You know, there's quite some many photography podcasts out there. We wanted it to somehow relate to film photography because that's what the channel is mainly about. Uh, but not only. So we wanted a name that can also mean more. And since in this podcast, our goal is that we're going to talk about photography, film photography, but also we might drop in things about other topics that we're interested about and that, you know, are bubbling and things that are happening in a constantly agitating world, as we are saying in our tagline. Uh, we thought that constant agitation was kind of fitting for, for us. And also we are Crunchy Fingers, which is CF, and now our podcast is going to be CA, Constant Agitation. So it kind of like rounded up nicely put. Yep. And I think that's very well put on your side. <laughs> and... Uh, I think that's it for today. Thank you so much uh, for watching. Yes. Uh, we really and for listening, it. if you're listening in the uh, podcast platform. That's true. Uh, special thanks for those of you watching live in the chat. We love you all. Thank you so yes. much for being with us. And so interactive. It's so nice to see the chat full of things. Thank you so, so, so much. Yes. And uh, do we uh, make a promise to be here next Friday? Uh, we can do it a Friday thing. That would right. be nice. Friday afternoon. Uh, yeah, that could be. I like. I like that idea a lot. Cool. So uh, we will see you next Friday. Yes, next Friday we'll be here talk about about more photography. And if you want us to cover anything, of course you can reach us either at in the channel in YouTube or in Instagram, or if you are in the Discord like we are with us, also you can reach us there. Right. And have a good night, everybody. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good weekend. Bye.